I'm Jeremiah Thonka, and I'm the founder of Optim Energy. This, this, is, this is Diversified, Diversified Game. Game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. All right, here we go. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, it's Kellen. And today on Diversified Game, you guys, get your pen and your pad ready. Because my guest, Sir Jeremiah, I call him that because he's in the UK. Let him get knighted real quick before he leaves to come back to Salon Bobo. But I want him to give us the game on his energy company. He has recently um, won an award. Awards are nothing new to him. When you're a genius, this is what happens. You get awards, you get flown, you get treated to the best. So welcome, Jeremiah, to the show. How are you doing today, my bro? Oh, I'm doing great. Like today was an amazing day, you know. Yeah, today, today has been like a blessing and an amazing, amazing day. I'm doing great. I mean, share some good news with us. Like, you know, somebody out there needs to hear some good news, whether it's fresh or what happened, you know, whenever they catch it. Like, what's going on that was so amazing today besides God giving us breath, health, and being able to have this conversation? Oh, yeah. Um, actually, um, the I was nominated sometimes back for um, um, the Global Student Prize. So um, the student prize will be happening on the 10th of this month, next week, Wednesday. So you know all the excitement are building up. Um, for context, the Global Student Prize is an award that is um, awarded to um, a student that is having like a huge impact on um, their environment while they are also excelling academically, environment, community, or society while they are also excelling um, extremely well in academics. So okay. I mean, the final it's exciting. Awesome, awesome. And if anybody hears that beeping, Jeremiah, that might be on your end. He's real popular. Um, if you're able to, to mute all those messages, you know, when you're a single young man with all this uh, energy and ideas, they don't leave you alone. They want to know where you are at all times. So, <laughs> <laughs> so but if you're able, it's not <laughs> I'm happy to have the conversation either way. I just wanted the listeners, which are the majority of the owner, um, the audience, they'll say, what was that beeping throughout the whole thing? Why didn't Kellen say something? I'm letting you guys know, but we're going to keep rocking. <laughs> Can you tell the people and, you know, give it to them in the uh, best terms, because not everybody is at the level that you are at with your knowledge. What is your business all about? What is your, you know, whole mission all about when it comes to energy and cleaning up energy? What are you doing that's new? So um, currently, I don't see what I do as a business um, due to the fact that uh, I'm still prototyping, you know, and considering how connected I am to the problem, you know. Um, for now, it's, it's just prototyping, getting so much data, and in making sure that um, I continue refining like the whole device to the point when I get something that I'm very much satisfied with. But in the long run, um, I want to see how, um, you know, energy can be accessible. That's the fundamental of what I do. That's what I want to see before my lifetime comes to an end in making sure that 
you know, people in the most deprived of places, be it in Sierra Leone or um, be it in Liberia and Guinea, in Congo, their energy and future is secured. So that's what I want to do, right? So um, basically, um, it's still a work in progress, you know, for now nobody pays anything for whatever, like, um, the, for like the energy that they are consuming because um, for my end, they're giving us data, they're giving us like feedback on how we can make the whole device more um, more sustainable, more better. So I feel like to some extent it would be cruel for me to start asking them to pay something when they are the one actually helping me in making sure that we develop like a locally made community solutions. Yeah. Now you say that, and, and, I, and I love the humility like you're you know you're a humble cat but when they write articles about you it's almost like okay hey jeremiah can you fix this problem now for us you know especially in um sierra leone especially in west and central africa where you know energy and taking it and making things recyclable and developing new things you know we we look at our trash sometimes it's just trash but trash, as the old people say, are can be treasure. So what what are you, you know, working on where the people can go maybe go read one of your books, but I gotta get them on the hook first. What are you working on? Like what are you doing with energy? Um, are you making it? Are you taking trash and then recycling it? Like give us what your, you know, what's fun for you to solve these problems of energy that you know so many have around the world i think there is so much anxiety about this whole climate change thing you know many people all of us in fact we're scared at all we may wake up tomorrow morning and we're just going to die due to the impact of climate change you know but then um i i, I come from a community where it's one of the communities that have really suffered on climate change um, related issues or problems you know flooding um bushfire you know um all those devastating effect of climate change is really manifesting in my community but then one thing that is one thing that is very much amazing in all of this is people continue to move you know animals move vehicles move people move on a daily basis right and um you know there's a lot of migration happening from rural cities to urban areas and as people move you know their energy um like the amount of energy that they don't need continue I'm going, you know, their energy demand increases to some extent. So what I do is I want to see how we can use this kinetic energy, these tons of millions of kinetic energy that people exhibit when they move their arm, their legs, or when they run, when they move their car, when they move with their animals, you know, in making sure that that's our own source of energy. So what I've been doing is I've been developing a device that absorbs like this kinetic energy from people, cars, animals, whatever that moves. Then um, I um, transform it into electrical energy and make and make sure like um, they indirectly power themselves without us going again to the forest or um, going to the mines, extract fossil fuel, cut down trees. So I want to see how we can eliminate eliminate all of that. And then we generate our own energy subconsciously without people even realizing, oh, I'm going for our work. But then when you're going for a work, um, indirectly, it's like now you're now um, um, producing power for, for yourself because as you work, we are absorbing that your energy and then we transform it into electricity for you. So that's what so, we So let's, let's break this down for the people because what you're really working on is 
the stuff that, you know, when people watch sci-fi, where maybe when we're, you know, walking, whatever we're doing in the day, and we have these watches, I don't wear a watch, but for the folks who do wear a watch or the cell phones, that produces energy that we can later tap in and light these lights in our home. Is that where you believe we're going? I'm a futurist, because I read like futurist faster than you think and everything that I can read on the future, right? So I'm excited about it, but tell me, is that what, do I have it correct or am I in my own fantasy head? You know, I, I, I want to make sure that I, I got it right. So we could be walking, we could be running that in the future, which is now, is something yeah. where it produces energy for our households, correct? Yeah, correct. So, and this is the thing for us, our own device will be, um, installed right in areas with high potential let's say city centers hospitals you know um let's say um um shopping malls that that's like the area with huge potential for us to absorb the energy from people maybe football fields wherever that we know like it's a crowded environment in the marketplace so our device will be installed underneath the ground so people will be moving Norm it's normal thing without them even realizing or oh, something is installed underneath this ground so when they move on the back end, we are doing like, um, we have our system that is absorbing that energy from them, absorbing it, absorbing it. Then um, we do our own small engineering on the back end. Then that kinetic energy that they're exhibiting, because like when something is in motion, they exhibit kinetic energy. So that kinetic energy that they're exhibiting or that energy in motion that they're exhibiting, that's what we are absorbing with our device. Then our device, transform that kinetic energy to electricity for them so like it's it, it's as simple as that well you say it's simple but if you ask you know you ask somebody like myself you say hey create this and 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 you have you know these great ideas it's it's not happening i gotta go to jeremiah so let me ask do you think i mean you already have you know um proven yourself will the first rollout for the public be private devices are you more looking at working with you know governments and structures so the people don't necessarily have to pay for this or pay so much because i would assume if we had a watch or something that did that and it would cost a lot of money it would be only for the rich like you know freeways sometimes yeah. and, and everything you know you have tolls here in america um only those who want to pay extra are going to go on the toll roads so is yeah. it something that will be for the um end user or is this for government is where your focus is at it's basically for the end users um just like i stated um when we started the interview that i'm so connected to the problem and then um being someone who like at some point in my life i lived a life my formative years basically without electricity you know seeing all those challenges you know and developing solutions like this um, um and then to some extent start asking people for money you know um it's it's something that i for now i really don't want to do i'm currently considering like the sustainability aspect how am i going to make sure that this solution you know it's sustainable it can run itself on its own um you know uh it's 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 like a groundbreaking like um innovation but then i'm not i'm one of those innovators who develop solutions because they want to be listed on Forbes, you know <laughs> so um 
where my, my, my end goal is not how much am I going to save or how much am I going to make from this device, you know. I believe there are other ways that um, I can make money um, by really working hard for it. Yes, this I'm also working hard for it, but this is just me trying to see how I can take ownership of some challenges in my community and see how I can contribute towards, you know, um, contribute to my skills, my expertise in making sure that we, um, we um, how should I say this? Like we um, rebrand, you know, the narrative of all oh, these communities, this poor this community don't have access to this, this community don't have this. But then as a young person, you know, changing that narrative is what I'm after. So um, I'm considering different models. One can be, you know, um, applying for grants, partnering with already established institutions that fund projects, you know, making it look like a project kind of wherein, um, you know, resources, expertise can be exchanged with another institution you know i'm making it continuously running or maybe who knows there, there may be also an opportunity to partner with government sector but then for now i really want to give my all on the device and see how we can really make it very very much sustainable sustainable in the sense more efficient you know um, a better device than the one we had yesterday um yeah so like when we want to scale it up at least we'll have like 90% and 90% device that to be very, very much proud of. Well, when you create something like this and you know you're you're working with you know big organizations um, right now, and I, I'd like to know money might not be, you know, why you did this. And for most entrepreneurs and creative people, money isn't the driving force, but it you you have to have money. Even the scriptures say, you know, money buys all things. Do you um, focus or even, you know, trademark or copyright your ideas? So let's say you do do, you know, you change the world with your business that you can get a piece of it so you won't be having to, you know, um, burn uh, plantains on the road as an old, older gentleman. Like, is that stuff that you're, you know, you're focused on? Because none of us want to be not doing what our purpose and our passion is and so you're getting this at such a young age are you even focusing on trademarking and saying this is my idea let me make sure i protect it with my partners yes um i've been advised to filing for patent but um it's still a work in progress however uh, the kind of patent that i want is just people acknowledging the community where i'm from saying oh this is something from this community and we'll be, open, we'll be open to, you know, speak to anybody, share the idea and um, engage with any other community that may be going through that similar challenge and see how we can replicate our device in their own community. So it's not like a patent that will, will scare people from like engaging with us. We, we're very much open to conversations and see how um, together, you know, as local people, we can solve our own problems from the local level. But then, um, the patent is still, a, is still a work in progress. Okay. And being that, you know, being from Sierra Leone and you got this gift, I mean, before you were 18, you had these skills, you, you, you've been, um, you know, given the, the spotlight. How do you expect or plan on bringing it back to Sierra Leone and when? When can people say, hey, I can benefit off of Jeremiah's brilliance? Uh, to some extent, I think people have already been benefiting. Um, 
during my when I started prototype in 2017, you know, I worked with about um, 150 households, um, about 1,500 people. Um, I worked with about 15 schools, about 9,000 kids, you know, um, in prototype, in educating, engaging. And also, I do a lot of research, writing, you know, engagement with um, um, institutions and experts within the energy space, right, on youth policy, um, equality, um, energy transition, all those concepts, you know. Um, my work, um, all my research work is um, an open access work where don't need to pay for any of those documents or any of those research papers. They are already available on the net. Um, yeah, so um, I'm of the um, notion that um, as a young person, you know, yes, it's perfectly okay to have your own goals, but um, you can you can start doing impact, you know, today, tomorrow. You don't have to say, oh, let me first of all, maybe I'm finished school, then I can start doing this. So, um, I believe like you can be in school and then you you make sure that the ideas, concepts or skills that you gain in the classroom, you directly start prototyping or start testing the skills and see how you can retailer them to fit the context that that um, you want to use those skills for. So um, I, I don't need to, people don't need to wait, you know, to see in the next five years, that's when we're going to see like the impact of JMA as well, because um, they're already seeing it. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, you know, Jeremiah, you speak almost like a like an old man. Like I, I, I give it. I, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> now, you know, I, it's like you have like Bill Gates. Um, if you would have, if you watch his, you know, old interviews, um, he was more focused on the purpose than the profit you know, from what it looks like, you know, it was, there's a problem, I want to solve them, and he's still doing it, and for, I think, most people, they'll say, well, I just, I want to see what the profit's going to be, and where that can take me, and what other things I can do. Um, you are doing so much. What is your community give back, besides what you've already, you know, spoke about? It seems like your whole life is just now about solving problems for people um, where you come from and beyond. So is that, what's your community give back that you are doing now that you haven't mentioned or that you would like to do in the future? Because I just love to pick your brain on how you see the future and, you know, what you're going to be doing. So um, in everything I'm doing, you know, um, I know like most of the work or most of the things I'm going to develop into have a huge potential to generate like, a lot of um, profit, right? So um, I plan to see how um, after making energy accessible, you know, yes, now it's accessible, um, you realize that there is, there, there is also another layer of challenge that will manifest, you know, how people use this energy, um, you know, their consumption patterns, you know, how can they access opportunities now that they have access to energy. So um, just like I said earlier on, I'm envisaging like this whole thing to one like a project kind of where in, in cases when we generate so much energy compared to how much the community needs, we can sell it to government, then the revenue that will be made can be invested in the community, be it um, on education, you know, be it on um, 
you know, building like schools, making the making the community more environmentally friendly. You know, um, yeah, just like those. I really, I really want to see how we I can have like that really strong bond with local communities and see how how they can really take ownership of their own development. Because what is currently happening is in most local communities, most people sit back and say, oh, let's wait for the government or let's wait for this, let's wait for that, you know. I want to see how I can give them like a sense of ownership and say, guys, this is your own problem and you need to solve it. You know, somebody can come in and chip in for you guys, but then you are the people that really understand this problem than anybody else, you know. You can have your Harvard education, you can have your MIT, you can have your Oxford education. But then the people who stay in those local communities perfectly don't understand that particular problem than anybody else. They may not go to school, but then they understand it. So just imagine now that you understand your problem, you know, you're developing your own solution, considering all those things. So I really want to be that kind of person. So, um, yeah, that, that's something that... Um, I'm really excited, excited to, to see manifest within the next few years. You know, when you talk about, can you describe to the people the device that you're talking about? Because most people won't know, you know, when you, the transducer and all that. I don't know if you have a picture or if you have a, um, have, you know, just a part of what you are already using. Because I almost see it when we talk about watches. I see your commercial and you have to be in it. Where you've been walking, you've been walking, your watch or whatever device lights up and we make it, we play off the Wakanda thing and then we put it in the wall and everything turns on. And, you know, we call it vibranium or whatever, right? That doesn't get us sued. Um, that, that is like to most people over their, it's over their head. And so they would ask, how healthy is it? Are there any health risks? Um, will I, you know, be more accessible to cancer or any other diseases when this comes? Because it's coming, folks. You might not even know it. In your neighborhood, it might be there. So, you know, are there any health risks or any concerns um, that people should, you know, consider um, while we're talking about this, you know, futuristic technology? I'm not a doctor, neither did I do medicine at any point in my life. But then um, I I saw firsthand, you know, the health challenges that my peers suffered from when they were using um, a locally made kind of energy source called Panlam, when they put kerosene in a in like a, a bottle kind of, then they put like a fabric. Then when the fabric burns against the kerosene, you know, it's light up like a place so that smog that it that it emits you know made a lot of my peers had um a um, lot of um uh, um health complication like um lungs problem you know like those complicated health challenges that comes with you inhaling um photochemical smog so um by all indicators there is no way that i'll develop something that may bring something similar like that or worse than that right um, the device itself will be installed underneath the ground, and there will be no, um, there will be no, um, um, how should I say, like toxic uh, uh, um, chemical within our system. No, it's a no, 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 right? Everything in there will be very environmentally friendly, and then even the device, the way it will be developed, will be like a one-time investment thing. 
So um feel it's a no-go area. Any um any um any um chemical, right? That you can think about that to say, oh, this one can pollute the environment, this one is um, this one will damage my this one will have an impact on my health to some extent. It's a no, no, no. We don't have any of those ones. And it will be installed under the ground. So whatever is happening underneath the ground, there is no way to impact. It's just like um, it's just like let's say, for example, um, you see like the 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 um the markings on the on the road, right? They're there, right? Um just picture it as something like that, but then it's underneath. You go do your business without even realizing or something is here. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. how it will be. Yeah. Awesome. Now, you you're solving, you know, the energy and the light problem. Somebody right now might be listening and saying, "I want this right now in my neighborhood, wherever they are in the world." What does it take? Is, is it something? Is there even a price tag on it to say, Jeremiah, I want this? For my my neighborhood, my my you know my villa, um, how much does it cost? What do I have to pay you, and how soon can you be there to install it? Currently, I honestly don't have like a definite um, price tag because when I was doing the first prototype, you know, most of the materials that I got, you know, many many well wishers would say, "Oh, Jeremiah, um, I have this. Can you come and take a look?" One second, Jeremiah. Zoom is doing something. What is going on? Oh, um, sorry, Jeremiah. Can you can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> okay, I heard you say uh, start where you said there's no price tag. Something was happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no price tag. That means it's free, Jeremiah. Um, you, he'll do it for the love. He's going for sainthood, y'all. Like, <laughs> with, yeah, there's no price tag. We're going. Carry on. Yeah. There is no definite price tag. Um, reason being because um, when I was doing the the prototype, you know, a lot of the materials that I got were from well wishers. They will say, "Oh, Jeremiah, I have this thing here. Can you come and take a look? I'll take a look and say, oh, um, there is one or two things in here that I will need, so I can take it out and you know. So um, there is not that um definite price tag and say, oh, this is how much you need for you to develop this. However. I'm trying to say I can develop a new prototype wherein um, um, outsource the materials myself. So at least to some extent, I'll have like an idea of how much one of the devices will cost against like the um, production capacity. But for now, like I currently don't have like a price tag. Okay. Do you have any, um, could you give us anything where what was done in Sierra Leone on just, you know, with the, when you first started this, what that cost um, to give people an idea. Just be, and I ask you just because people will listen to this and they'll ask me. They'll say, "Keep pushing, keep pushing." So in Sierra Leone, what you know, in a range, you don't have to give you know exact amount, but what it it, it costs for what you've already done. There was there was a project that I did when um, I tried to um, to blend or let let me see develop something that is an like that is an hydro and as well as a windmill like two in one device kind of um and um that device was able to to power to provide power for up to 50 kids and it cost and um 800 to 1000 dollars most of the money was for more wishes that was done when i was in high school 
uh, yeah, I had a team called the MIPAC scientists and we did that amazing project. Yeah, so uh, most of what I do, again, um, you know, it's it's not something super expensive because one, like I don't have that, the, 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 like that ex, that's resources that is required for me to, to point all in prototyping. So um, most of my my energy systems are very much affordable compared to what we currently do have in the market. Okay, no, this is great stuff. Now, energy, okay, we got light. Um, in Africa, in many parts of the world, even, you know, in America, um, clean water. We saw years ago, Detroit had a serious water problem. Do you have anything that can solve the, um, the water problem or a better way to filter or maybe a quicker way to filter water? Not yet, um, but then, you know, I am, I am of the notion that energy is the fundamental for, um, you know, global development. When you have energy, there is a, there, there is a lot of things that you can um, that you can unlock. So who knows, maybe that's something else that I may consider after this interview and see how we can develop like um, systems that will be able to um, sustainably um, transport water within a long distance without um, polluting the water system or our environment, you know? Yeah, but then currently I don't have anything like that, but then the future looks bright. Oh yeah, man, you're young, we're young. The future is, you know, the best is yet to come, the scriptures will tell us. When, you know, for this is question is for a young person who might be like you and they might stand out amongst their peers um, academically or in something else. Do you find that once you were discovered, whatever that means, right? Are you now then like in this bubble where people are, hey, come speak here, come speak here. And it's like chess where they want to use you and put you in front. And, you know, then when they don't need you, they put you back. So whether you're a pawn or you're the king on the board, how do you, how do you, how do you deal with that feeling? Um, because a lot of people can't handle that stress and they, they, they break down because either they feel, you know, so high at one point and then regular life, they have a problem mm -hmm. doing. So it, how do you deal with that? Um, for me, um, as a leader, as a young leader, I'm perfectly okay to serve in whatever capacity I can, right? Um, there are times when, um, there are times when one of the most important things that people look at you and say, oh, um, Jerry have done this, or um, Kelly has done this, is when they, they realize like how many people that you really helped to go and reach the standard that you are currently, right? Um, I, I understand that we live in a world where many people want the spotlight, right? But then um, for me, what I'm doing is I'm not doing it for spotlight, right? Um, I believe like um, like we've just started like um, a revolution wherein young people wherever they are around the global have to realize that the unpleasant things happening in their communities, their own responsibility. So if there is a way I can serve another young person in making sure that um, they do that thing in their community, whatever capacity that I can be from the back, the middle, the front, 
I'm perfectly okay to do that. And for institutions, you know, um, for many time I'll have people call me to speak on um, um, events and they'll say, oh, he's a hero, he's a this. I'm like, no, I'm not a hero. Um, the credit goes to my local community because um, they've shown resilience and also they've um, embraced open-mindedness in making sure that um, they, they contribute what they can, you know, be it moral support, be it emotional support, and making sure that, you know, we develop our own solutions. I may be leading that change, but then I don't see myself as a hero. I see them as the hero of the story. They may not be in the front pages, but then there are times when you're in the back, you know, doing amazing things. You're more than a hero than the person that will be in the front pages. So being in the front pages is not something that, that moves Jeremiah. It's not <laughs> okay, okay. Now, now do you... Do you feel, since you, you know, you don't mind playing whatever position, do you feel um, that you have to get a PhD and they have to call you doctor with a big hat before you, you know, uh, fully arrived? No, um, I'm actually thinking of doing a PhD reason being uh, there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of um, imagined concepts and also challenges that I've identified within the energy space and I feel like doing a PhD will be like the 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 um the right step in making sure that um I continue learning from like um experts in the field while also um on my own end I also continue continue critically assessing some of these challenges that, excuse me that are arising within the energy space. Um Unlike like other people, you know, going for a PhD because of the title and stuff, I I also value like learning, you know, because um, some of the things that I've been able to do is based on the skills and knowledge that I've acquired during my educational journey. And um, who knows like what else I'll learn within the next few years and what are the crazy things that um, we'll be able to do as a community. So yeah, I'm explaining that's possible, not because of the title, but because of I know it will empower me again to, you know, engage with my community and say, oh, guys, um, I came across this, 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 and this. What do you think about it? You know, then boom, something great happens. Now, I want you to shout out your college because it started in 1827. And I want to know, you know, the reason why Harvard is Harvard, right, is because it's people who graduated there have talked about it and they've all come together. But your college too has produced, you know, brilliant people. So can you brag on, you know, your college which did for you? I actually did my undergrad in Rwanda. Uh, it was a new college and um, um, I'm part of the founding class. Like we are the first people to ever attend the college. It's called the African Leadership University. Um, a lot of um, journalists have um, wrote about it and they've tagged it. They have out of Africa. You know, there are a lot of these cool names, but um, for us, we don't see it as a Harvard of Africa. We see it as the African Leadership University, which it is. And, um, you know, there are a lot of amazing things that are, that are happening in that institution. You know, um, um, I did Global Challenges and um, I focused on SDG 7. So Global Challenges is a course that was developed after the Sustainable Development Goals, 
when students, you know, focus on a particular um, target goal, you know, crafting a mission of what they want to do within their lifetime. And for me, um, within my lifetime, I want to see how I can um, read a revolution in defining energy systems, you know, doing research on energy efficiency, conservation, et cetera. Um, you know, I studied in a class with people, you know, who are so much into politics, you know, some are so passionate about gender equality, some are all in for environment, some are all in for um, conservation, urbanization, agriculture. Imagine that combo of um, a classroom, you know, where, you know, all these bright minds and um, the African Leadership University is currently home to the brightest minds around Africa. We had students from 50 to 54 countries around Africa. So imagine studying in a classroom with a Zimbabwean, you know, um, with an Egyptian, Sierra Liberian, you have a Congolese, you have a Kenyan, all the different backgrounds, expertise, you know, um, realities, context. It was super amazing. So guys, look out for the African Leadership University. We're coming strong, you know. But you have been going all over with your your studies. Is that because um, your parents were rich? Um, or is that because you've made opportunities? What I'm trying to show people is, because I kind of know the answer to it, how, you know, how did you afford to do all of this? Because many people will say, I don't have any rich uncles. I don't have any rich aunties. My parents aren't rich. Maybe I'm a, you know, raised by a single mother. How could I follow these footsteps just with academics? So can you tell the people how it's worked out for you? I was actually also raised by a single mother and she passed away just um, three months into my undergrad. So what happened was when the African Leadership University was, um, was um, launched, right? Um, they were looking for like some of the craziest minds around Africa, you know. They want to see how they can bring them all to Rwanda. Learning this, you know, country with a repetition of how a leadership, um, how solid leadership can change the history of a country, you know. So um, when I went to the African Leadership University, the African Leadership University was founded by um, Fred Swanika. So they had like different scholarship programs. Actually, I was unfortunately... I'm not given a scholarship, but then I was given financial assistance. So um, during my third year, I got um, a scholarship that was 1,200 from um, an institution called Wells Mountain Initiative. And um, um, Wells Mountain Initiative basically um, make education accessible to some of the bright minds around um, the global who come from like disadvantaged communities. So that's 1,500 in addition to um, the 2,500 um, financial assistance that I was given, you know, was what was covering my tuition fee. That was about 4,000. Um, at some point, I had um, I had a well-wisher who, um, because during my first year, my, my financial assistance was only 2,500. So I had to pay a remaining one of 1,500. I had a well-wisher who paid it off for me, whom like I've I, like we've never conversed, you know. Um, my school only sent in some of my work, and he was like, "Oh, let me cover this guy is a bright guy." So it's not like I'm from a rich family, of course. Like uh, many of you guys may have forget about the civil war in Sierra Leone and the continuous impact it's still having. I'm um, in the UK today, um, because I got the Commonwealth scholarship, you know, for a master's degree. 
I'm currently doing my master's in um, Doha University, MSc Sustainability and Agenda Development. So it's not like I go to places because I can afford, but then I go to places because um, to some extent I'm committed to what I do. And um, yeah, I think that's why I go to places not because I can pay. <laughs> well, and a well a well wisher. I, I want you to like talk about you know did that money just arrive because. I think of the Ebony song um, when you say, you know, some people say a well-wisher, he got a sponsor, right? And and that was a, a, a very popular Ebony song. You guys can look that up on, um, you know, I'll play a piece. But you guys, you know, I got myself a sponsor. There's a difference between a sponsor and a, a well-wisher. So how did that work? Did some money just arrive or did you just go and your tuition was you know fully paid and and that's how that was done and you don't know it was a blessing by god so what happened was it was a financial assistance of 2500 right mm-hmm. um they gave it to um my economic background why i didn't get full financial assistance it's because like you know my mom was sick she had cancer so there was all this lot of fighting here in their hospital so i was actually not paying so much attention to what was happening in the portal. So when I arrived, I actually went, um, um, I was invited for an English immersion program that, that, that started in July. I didn't go to Rwanda till 29th of September, 2017. That's almost three months after I was invited, right? And um, <clears throat> when I came, you know, I explained my situation and they were like, oh, you should have um, told us this, now this is closed. So um, the the passengers paid for me the one thousand the one the 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 remaining cost for my first year. Um, mm-hmm. My second year, um, how did I pay my second year? I can't actually remember, but I think I did some um, some jobs like I was doing a lot of volunteering. You know, there are some of these conferences that will happen. They'll say, "Oh, we need somebody to write on this," and I'm like, "Ah, I can do this." So all those money, I will put them together, then I covered my second year. My third year, I got um, a $1,200 scholarship that I told you about just now from West Mountain. So that was directly covering my tuition fee. Um, So I was left with paying 300, you know. So the 300 I was supposed to pay um, in my, um, in my third year was carried forward to my final year. So for my final year, for my final year, you know, I got, um, I was awarded the uh, the most innovative thinker and entrepreneurial leaders award at the African Leadership University, and um, they waived off for me. Um, they waived off for me the tuition fee. So it's not like I had. The, I do have this person in the background that is a good guy. I can I can cover the bills. <laughs> I don't have that. But then, currently for my masters, you know, it's well and good because. It's been funded by um, the UK government and um, my university. So, yeah, to some extent, this is more peaceful compared to what I experienced in Kigali because, you know, you have to cater for food, housing, medical, all of that on your own budget. But now, you know, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love it. I love it. And, you know, a mind is bright, ladies. Um, he, he shouldn't be single for long, especially my, my, my African ladies. You know, you'll be upset when he t- brings back a British woman looking like uh, a Sophia, you know, from a Sophia in London. And she's back. 
You better get it get, get him now. Um, you know, he, he, he'll have ride price ready. So uh, make sure you guys tap in. Check the links in the description box. Where do you, I mean, leave the people with something, Jeremiah, and let them know if they want to contact you about, you know, some great ideas, some thinking, ride price, where they can find you. Oh, yeah. Um, you can look me up on LinkedIn, you know, on my Facebook, Jeremiah Thornka, and on um, Twitter at um, Jeremiah Thorn. Um, um, I'm always um, open up to have these crazy conversations with people. Um, and this is the thing, guys, whenever you do have an idea, when somebody tells you this is a great idea, you have to go back and just dump it in the dustbin, you know. Always take the ideas that people tell you this is impossible, this is the crazy one. So, um, when you have those crazy ideas, you know, contact me. We can have conversations. You know, I can um, give you um, my expertise, and then we can see how we can, um, you know, share ideas and in making sure that you really um, take that idea to a place that you'll be very much proud of. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you guys have been blessed by the game. Make sure if you do nothing else, you share this with somebody, it will change their life. Be blessed, y'all. Hi, everyone. Have you ever been curious about visiting Africa? Which African country were you interested in? Kenya, Nigeria, Uganda, South Africa, Ethiopia? Which country are you interested in? My good friend, Kellen Cash Coleman, came up with a course called My First Trip to Africa that'll guide you through this process. It's only $20, and in this course, you'll learn about passports, visas, vaccinations that you need before you go there, as well as a budget, uh, how much the trip is gonna cost. He also talks about what you should pack, uh, what you should take with you, how you should travel on a budget. Did you know that 100 US dollars is worth a 1,000 South African rand and over 10,000 Kenyan shillings? So imagine what you can do with $100 back home. I say back home because I'm from Sudan, I'm African. I already know how it's like. I know that, you know, when you convert Canadian and American money, it goes a long way when you're traveling across Africa. So if you're curious, um, if, if Africa is a place that you've always wanted to go, always wanted to move there, Kellen Cash is the person to ask. Check out the course. There's a little preview you can listen to um, before you actually purchase it. If you're interested in this course, visit www.diversifiedgame.com. Don't miss out. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.